This is your morning routine. Listen, respect my name. Cap and J-Hood. That's right. That's right. We're bad. Uh, uh-huh. Watch the show on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Stream the show on the ESPN Chicago app and on FM 100.3 HD2 and on ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now, now. David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood. Good morning, everyone. Bring them out. Bring them out. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Captain Jay Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000, and we're streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. With Courtney Cronin in for Cap, I'm Jay Hood with open phone lines for you 312 332 ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. We got Shay, we got Jack, we got you on a football Friday. So glad that you are with us. And Courtney, so glad to have you because here we are. It's down to the final four. This has been so much fun and such a ride and some unpredictability. There's not one favorite, and I think that's even better for us as football fans that you might uh, look at Vegas as some favorites, but I think that this is going to be wide open here this weekend. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. I I could have done without the Chiefs in the final four. I really was hoping that Buffalo would have been able to, I don't know, hit a, I'm not going to call it a chip shot because it was a 44-yarder and Patrick Mahomes probably would have gone down and ripped their throats out. And that's sure. fine. It's fine. But I like the rest of the field. I'm rooting for the Ravens. I'm rooting for the Lions. But honestly, any combination of these games is going to give you a great Super Bowl. I think so, too. Um, and so we're going to start there this morning talking about who, who you're rooting for. You in Chicago, you the Chicago Bears fan, you the football fan, sees that it's going to be Kansas City and Baltimore, the early game at 2 o'clock, and Detroit and San Francisco is going to be at 5.30. I will just tell you, Courtney, from my standpoint, I don't have like this NFC North pride. Look at that guy. He's a conference guy or he is a division <laughs> guy. You know, when we were kids, you know, back in the day, you know, when the Bears did win a, a division, you got like the NFC like division flag, the championship flag, the pennant. Mm-hmm. You used to wave that when the pennants were a thing back then when you had division pride. I don't have division pride. But what I look at is is that the Lions are representing the NFC North. And we saw the Packers and Lions both in the playoffs. And as a Bears fan, I believe that that push, puts pressure on those at House Hall. If Poles and Warren don't feel like they have a little pressure on them knowing that two teams in the division, the playoffs, and they're not, then they don't have a pulse. I think that this puts pressure on them to understand, okay, it's go time. Three wins to seven wins. We have to do whatever it takes, move heaven and earth to be able to get to the playoffs again because Detroit, moribund franchise, couldn't get out of their own way, haven't been in this spot since 1991. And then it's the Bears still doing what the Bears do. I think that for me, I'm rooting for the Lions because the Bears need to be able to wake up and say, okay, we need to get this right. It's a good measuring stick. I was rooting for a Packers-Lions NFC championship. I love interdivision NFC championships. I remember going to the one in 2010 between the Packers and the Bears uh, at Soldier Field. And there's a different energy that's brought to it when it feels personal, when yes. it's in your divisional, when it's in your division. You face this team already two other times during the year. But... It, for Bears fans looking at this game, 
wondering what it means for your team, for the construction of your team going forward, what it means for the pressure and what the priorities are going to be in the 2024 offseason. You should want the Lions to win the Super Bowl. You should want them to get there. You should want this to be an incredibly competitive game where they take down the one seed in the division because then that'll show you, okay, here's the blueprint. I think we already have the blueprint. Mm -hmm. Like when we take a look at this draft, that the draft classes, the last three that Brad Holmes and his staff have put together, that's a master class in how to do it and how to build to get to a point where you are a competitive team, where you run away with the division and lock it up by what, week 16, week 15? That should put pressure then on the Chicago Bears, on the Minnesota Vikings, even on the Green Bay Packers, even though they're in the playoffs, but to get to the new gold standard in your division. And though the whole division pride thing, my brother and I were talking about that last week. Like, should we be NFC North fans this week? I don't know. It just didn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> and Jay was saying it's like the Rob Lowe wearing the NFL shield hat. Just yes. like, you're just an NFL fan. Just an NFC North fan from here on out. And I can get behind that, not just because the Lions have a great story and because they are a lovable team at this point. Like, they're not the hated ones like the Chiefs, where even on a quote-unquote down year, they can still get into the AFC Championship game. The Lions built towards this. So if you're a Bears fan watching this game, you think, hey... Two years from now, can we be in this spot? Can yes. we be the new gold standard and you know their whole plan yeah. to take the North and never give it back? Can they actually get there? Because there's another team in your division who at one point you know, was considering firing their head coach. I think if you're a Bears fan and you're looking at this on the bright side, the glass half full, you're thinking, all right, well, there was that piece Sheila Fordham uh, talked about it this past week about not – pulling the plug on the regime after two years, after it looked like it wasn't going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the trajectory that the Bears follow with Matt Eberflus, and that you hope that year three can be like the Lions year three and start to turn the tide to where, hey, at one point the Bears can be in the spot. There, there was a time where I can look at uh, games like this or weekends like this and say, I don't have a dog in the hunt. It's not one of my teams. I'm just going to be over here being able to enjoy football and not have a rooting interest. It's one of the few times, Courtney, where I can look at this game with the Lions and the 49ers and go, I actually do have a rooting interest. I actually do have skin in the game because the Lions are in the division that I follow on a regular mm -hmm. basis. I want Poles to be able to eat his words or to be able to walk down you know, State Street and say, I told you so. I want it to be one or the other. I, the, the boldest statement that he's ever made since he's been here is this whole thing is uh, we're, we want to take the North and never give it back. That, that blew me away for him to say that initially. It's a great goal internally. But when you say it I like in front of the open microphones, we're going to take the North and never give Do you know the history of the Bears? How often have you been able to take the North and never give it back? 80s? A little bit of Lovey Smith? Not very often. And so that's why I thought, wow, bold statement. That means that he's here for business. But you can't be here for business when you level the franchise the way the Bears did. They tanked on purpose to be able to get to where they are right now with seven wins. And I just think that when you look at this Lions team, the way they're built, you know, we talk all the time. You're around the horn talking about, you know, the topics about America's team. Why can't that be Detroit based on how they were built brick by brick? This is a, an unwatchable team and an unwatchable franchise for a long time. And then to get to this point in time here on the precipice again of the Super Bowl, if they could get past San Francisco, there is an American story right there, American football story, from nothing to where they are right now. And the thing I look at, Courtney, is that no matter what happens on Sunday, 
the Lions and their success seems sustainable to me. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be back there again in the playoffs. So just when the uh, the Bears thought, you know, if we could just if we just beat the Packers, then we could be able to be a better franchise. No, you have two teams, two and a half teams with the Vikings to be able to get to where you want to be on a regular basis. And it's the way that they built. I mean, this is not starting with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. This is starting with the previous regime, all the way back to, like, the Bob Quinn days, to Matt Patricia. Yeah. Like, I've always said this about their offensive line. This is a master class in how to do it. Taylor Decker was drafted 2016. Like, you're spending high draft capital on the most important position to protect your most important asset, which is your quarterback. They did that over a lot of years, and it took a lot of losses to get to this point where the winning finally happened when you had your foundation in place. It wasn't an overnight success. Now, as a Bears fan, you hear that, and you're probably thinking, how many more years do we have to wait to get there? How many more years of 7-10 and 10 of, you know, you hopefully never have to have another 3-14 and 14 season because then you're probably starting over, and that sets the clock back even further. But... What I love about this Lions roster, as, a, as someone now in the fan seat getting to watch it, yeah. what superstar do they have? I mean, I, I'm, I'm being serious about that. Yeah, I know Aiden Hutchinson was a terrific draft pick and has had a good season for his for his standards. I mean, obviously you wish a sack numbers, he probably does, wishes they were more consistent throughout the year. But what big name superstar sort of player do they have on that roster? That roster is draft picks, Mm -hmm. smart free agent acquisitions, and a quarterback who was a cast off somewhere else but had the experience, the Super Bowl experience. I remember going on Get Up this summer and we were doing a segment on, you know, you recycle segments in the summertime. Sure. Which which NFC North quarterback do you want in the fourth quarter of a of a winner take all situation? You got two. It's a two minute drill. And I said Jared Goff, and a lot of people laughed at me. I remember some people on Bears Twitter. I won't name you by name, but clipped that thing because there were two other Harry Douglas, who's my colleague at ESPN Radio. Yeah. He picked Justin Fields. Someone else picked Jordan Love. I picked the guy who's done it before in Mm -hmm. Jared Goff. I picked the guy with the Super Bowl experience. I didn't pick the flashy quarterback, the one that we were thinking on expectation alone, which is the Justin Fields part or the athleticism and hoping that Jordan Love would be able to to take the torch from Aaron Rodgers, which he did in his third season. But I went on the guy who's done it before, who is more playoff experience than any other quarterback right now outside of Patrick Mahomes at this level like that's what I went on and I think that that's the model that the Bears can follow if they can start to get all of the other pieces right and what you're seeing with their roster building philosophy is not going after the outside of like Montez Sweat DJ Moore like they're also building through the draft Ryan Mm -hmm. Poles has a penchant for doing that a penchant for trading back for making the draft the lifeblood of your franchise and that's what Detroit did. That's the model that they followed, and it took a lot of years to get there. But you're starting to see the fruits of your labor, and that's not just for NFC North fans. I think that's for like a lot of teams that think their team either is like on the cusp of getting over the hump or has like one or two more years to get there. Like That's the model you should be following. The, the blue-collar model of you don't necessarily have to have these you know, five-star, mm-hmm. big-time stars. The reason why that they were laughing at you, Courtney, is because uh, no one believes in Jared Goff. They thought that his success was just something that was a one-off. It was luck or whatever. It was no, a product of the offense yeah. that he was in with Sean McVay. But it's, it's skill also. Mm-hmm. It, it's execution. And so isn't that what it comes down to in the NFL? Skill, execution, draft picks, free agency, smart front office. 
I mean, I think that that's the five to one of the five tools that you can look at in the NFL for success. The reason why they said that they said, oh, Courtney, not Jared Goff is because there's no controversy around Jared Goff. There's, he doesn't do anything. He's not sexy. He doesn't no. do, have, a, have a sexy part of his game. Right. But he gets it done. Yes. He can still throw for a lot of yards, which some other quarterbacks can't do. He's not a system quarterback, but in the right system, he can thrive. I've always felt that. I don't like that label that people put on him as system quarterbacks. Because you, you don't get to a Super Bowl with Los Angeles. Yes, I know their defense was terrific. Sean McVay was you know is one of the greatest minds of our era of football. And he had some really good weapons around him. But he was still a part of that. Like, if you don't have the quarterback position right, everything comes crumbling down. They got it right with him. The guy was a first round, first overall pick for a reason. And to watch what he's done in Detroit, like, I, you know, watching that whole Dan Campbell thing, what was it, the divisional playoff or the wild card round when, yeah. they, when they won, he's like, you're good enough for Detroit. Like, damn right you are. Yeah. You're good enough for a lot of teams. <laughs> yeah. I know what he meant by that because they just think, well, Detroit is a team under your shoe all these years, mm-hmm. but you're good enough for us, though. You may not be good enough for your previous employer, but you're good enough for us. I've always said this, Courtney. I've always said this. There's two things. You can't pick your parents and you can't pick the system that you're in. You, you, mm-hmm. just, I've always said that, you know, the system that you're in offensively that you can't pick it. And, and let's we should um, pull that back a little bit and talk a little bit about systems. So that is something that on the shows that you're on and get up and all the other shows that we see when we hear the phrase system quarterback, every quarterback is in a system. All the quarterbacks are in a system. Now, some are sexier than others. Uh, some systems get you down the field quicker because of big play-action plays and get down the field. Some are meat and potatoes and they run the football, but they're all systems. I, I find that fascinating that we can look at uh, Brock Purdy or Jared Goff or C.J. Stroud and say, well, you know, they're, yeah, they're the product of the system, mm-hmm. you see. They're all systems. They're all systems. It all depends on how you flourish in those systems. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's about production. And uh, and we talk about the production of the Bears in that same way, right? The Bears offense looks like the Miami offense to me. looks like the Green Bay Packers offense to me based on the system that they run. It's kind of all the same. A lot of copycat around the league, as you well know. But if you don't flourish in those systems, it's not that the system sucks. That means that you got to really look at your personnel. And you're coaching and be able to get there, you know. And so it's funny that you mentioned golf because there is this exchange with a reporter uh, uh, says the 49ers have more talent. Listen to this. You guys had a lot of, got a lot of really good players, obviously. But maybe that oh, thank you. Okay. I said thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> maybe that viewed, though, as the superstars, like the 49ers have. All right, never mind. Okay. <laughs> wow. I love that. that. 49ers have more talent. Really? So what do the Lions have? You think they just have just a bunch of just cast-offs and they just piecemeal this team together to be at a championship level? Oh, it's funny how the perception is of that, right? Because of Mike Shanahan versus Dan Campbell, Mm -hmm. the way the 49ers are always this model shiny franchise uh, in the Bay Area versus the grit and grind of the Lions. Funny how that perception is, isn't it? And. Look at what happened with all that talent that they had. One player goes out for San Francisco last week, and they didn't know how to act. Like, they lose Debo Samuel, and they're running, 
using a wide receiver who's not meant to be in the backfield on a third and one situation. You're like, huh, I wonder why that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy's off target percentage last week was such an anomaly compared to other games this season, minus those, I think it was like the three, obviously the three that they lost when he was hurt and all of that, when Christian McCaffrey wasn't on the field, when Debo wasn't on the field previously. But this was. It was such a stark contrast to what we normally see from him mm-hmm. in that system. And I don't know if Jared Goff, like, let's say if Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't playing, if Sam Laporta wasn't playing, would we be giving him that same sort of pass that we gave to a Brock Purdy? Oh, well, Debo Samuel wasn't out there. Like, look at like how the offense like struggled. No, I don't think you would. I think that the blame would go on the quarterback in that situation, which isn't fair, but the talent that the Lions have, yes, the ball, and this is such a cliche, they spread the ball around really well. Sure. Monroe St. Brown was a top three receiver in terms of yards, in terms of catches this year. Sam Laporta was a terrific addition as a rookie. Jameer Gibbs, that fourth quarter touchdown to make it a one score. It was a, before the, before they, I forget who scored the, the second touchdown for them, but it was that fourth quarter touchdown that he had. Like that compliment with David Montgomery in the backfield, yes. that's a balanced backfield. Mm-hmm. You have two, two running backs who have similar but different rushing styles who you can get a lot of production out of. And then all of the other pieces that they have sprinkled in. It's not just Jamison Williams, who was a first-round pick, who's, like, lighting it up for them. I mean, they have other guys who have made significant contributions this year, and it doesn't feel like it's the one-star player like a Christian McCaffrey that you lean on. They don't have that go-to guy Mm -hmm. because they've got a lot of go-to guys, and that's, that's the model that you should build. I mean, if you take a look at where the Bears are right now, that's DJ Moore. Like they, they would more, and I'm not at all putting them. They don't twist my words here. Like this is, they more resemble that San Francisco model where you have the go-to guy yes. than all of the other people that you can trust. Yes. And I mean, it's, 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 it's DJ Moore and a bust it's, in this offense. What's that? It's DJ Moore or a bust, or a bust. in this offense. Yeah, and Cole offense. Komet you could throw in there too. I, yeah. I, that's totally fine. He can be the George Kittle of this example. But um, that's, I mean, that's why Detroit's so successful because they're not. The offense doesn't run through one player, and that's why I think it's so hard for a lot of teams to defend. So uh, I'll mention the the Packers as well. It's funny. You were talking about the Lions. The Packers are in that same way, isn't it? Think about Jordan Love over on the side watching Aaron Rodgers, the backup to Rodgers, and and Jordan Love is the quarterback for this football team. Okay, so what's necessarily sexy about them? It's just about the offense is able to click. There is not a quarterback questioning Matt LaFleur at every turn because Aaron Rodgers has the skins on the wall to be able to say, you know what, I see this, but I'd rather do this, or I'm going to audible out of this because I see something that you don't see. He has every right to do that, but when you keep hitting that glass ceiling, Courtney, of not being able to get over the hump and not get to the Super Bowl, then you question what's going on between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. Jordan loves here. He's like, I'm just happy to be here. What do you you need me to do? Look how uh, free-flowing that offense was. The way they ran the football with Aaron Jones. The way they were able to get to their wide receivers of Dobbs and Bo Melton. The the no-name offense. Mm -hmm. But look where they got to. So, So I think that it's interesting that we're talking about the formula because these guys that are Productive are not necessarily big names, but they work within the team element. And that's why both you, sides of the football. That's why they had a different receiver leading the team in receiving since no since 
what, week 13, week 14? They threw the stat up on the broadcast last week, and I had to think back to that, to when the Bears played them week one, to then, like, look at, like, the numbers from, like, early September all the way through week 18. And it's Tucker Craft. It's Dontavian Wicks. It's names that you just didn't hear of before that team got a national platform in the playoffs for like being introduced to the rest of the NFL if you're not in the NFC North. Right. And even even that game that we were up there for in week 18 when Dontavian Wicks torched that secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people probably wondering, who the hell's that guy? And, and that's a good spot to be in if you can have the who the hell's that guy you know, hurting your opponent because that shows you that the skill level doesn't necessarily have to have a drop off from your quote unquote stars or like your number one in an offense through somebody who may have gotten called up from the practice squad, somebody who may have waited, had to wait until late in the season to finally get their opportunity. Well, those are system players, you see. System players. Everyone's in a system. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's my whole point. That's my. That's the. That's the top margin of my thesis mm-hmm. is that everyone's in a system. Is what you do in that system. So it's interesting about rooting interest because many Bears fans listening to the show this morning, as they always do here on Cap and Jay Hood with Courtney in for Cap are always trying to figure out how the Bears can get better and what are you going to do for about the Chicago Bears as far as the draft and free agency. Okay, so in this situation, one of the rare times for me as a football fan is that I actually do have rooting interest. Me, I'm usually just watching these games and kind of admiring teams like Kansas City, Baltimore, Detroit, and San Francisco, but I have a rooting interest in Detroit being able to get this done because I want the Bears to see what it looks like when you get to the top in this division. Chris Black was on Black and Abdallah yesterday. Chris says that he had a rooting interest in Packers against 49ers. Listen. I'd be rooting for anybody in this spot against the 49ers because I have bet the 49ers. That's fair. Like, I I wasn't uh, watching the game uh, last week rooting against the Packers. Like, I don't care. I actually wanted the Packers to win that game because I like that story, and I like that it's a young team that's developed. I think Matt LaFleur is fantastic as a coach. Mm-hmm. So, I... I, I can't hate the brand of football. They play a, an appealing brand of football. Yeah. And so I was kind of loosely rooting for them to win against 49ers. I, I agree with him. And even as a, if as a Bears fan, if you have a problem with that, hold your nose and watch the games. That, that's what I always say. Because, Courtney, how else will you know how a team is built or how success happens if you don't watch the other teams? I say this all the time. I feel like there's a section of our audience that watches the Bears and goes, at 325 and goes, honey, what else do we do today? Bears are off. What about the other games? What about the other teams? How can you determine how do you get to the mountaintop in the National Football League just watching Bears football? You can't learn anything there. You don't learn in a vacuum regardless. <laughs> I don't think in any aspect of life that you learn just from like what's in front of you, broadening your horizons to see the teams you're going to, especially with the teams you go against two times a year. Yes. That should be like the measuring stick. And I know I've said that a couple times, but like I can't overstate that. No. It, it has to be, okay, we face these guys. I've got to see Jared Goff. I've got to see Jordan Love. I've got to see Kirk Cousins, I would assume, sure. uh, going forward. Um, sure. I've got to see these guys two times a year. How do you beat the same guy two times a year to be able to You face the same quarterback six times out of your 17 opponents? How do you do that? And it's by seeing what those teams do well, seeing what those teams' draft strategies are, how active of players they are in free agency, and also how aggressive they are, how not aggressive they are. Like, when do they sit back? When do they, you know, when are they willing to pounce on on opportunities, whether it's coaching staffs? Like, 
I'll, I'll give. I mean, Green Bay, when they landed Matt LaFleur, I know it felt like such an anomaly. Like, man, this guy got here already, and he's already winning. Has he had a losing season? Has he had a record below 500? No, he hasn't. And that's something that just feels not completely attainable to, like, that's not, like, the the norm. That's more of the outlier. But the Dan Campbell example, and I want to, like, did you see Lewis Riddick's tweet on this yesterday? I thought it was so spot on, and I know that, like, you know, Dan Campbell gets this, like, or rather, the idea that's out there. You got to have your quarterback guru. You got to have somebody who's from the Shanahan tree to have a successful team to be as a head, you know, as a head coach. And his thing was that Campbell's never been a primary play caller that has been like, oh man, look at this offensive genius. Like, this guy's a guru, the word that we throw around. Um, And a lot of people didn't take him seriously for what he said in the opening press conference in 2021. And you can understand, it just felt like, meat-headed football guy. Yes. And people didn't want to buy into that because we were all trending towards, man, high-flying offenses. Go and be a version of Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. And then the trickle-down effect, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, um, soon-to-be Bobby Slowick somewhere if he gets the commander's job or whatever it is. But it's having a philosophy that you can stand on that when things suck and things are really bad and the times are tough, that you can still believe in that philosophy. Now, do the Bears have that? They hope they do now with Shane Waldron because before they didn't know. With the last offensive staff, they didn't know because they were trying it out for the first time. Now you hope that what you what you started to see defensively from week nine onwards, what you believe that you're bringing in with Shane Waldron, mm-hmm. regardless of who the quarterback is, that that's something that's a solid foundation. So where you're the system, you're not having to switch systems because players can't succeed when you're asking them to be in a different system Every two to three years. Yes. So once you get that part right, which is what Detroit did with Dan Campbell, who he's not dumb. He's not like this, just this meathead, like all football guy, et cetera, et cetera. He's putting smarter people around him in these positions, whether it's somebody trust who is he's been willing to give the benefit of the doubt to and Aaron Glenn, whose defense has been a roller coaster this year. They've had moments where they've peaked. They've had moments. That we saw where they got annihilated by by the Green Bay Packers on Christmas Day. And then Ben Johnson empowering him to run the offense to the best like to, to best suit his his skill players to best suit his quarterback the system yes like stepping out of the way sometimes being that ceo style head coach and not having to be the just guru genius that everybody's bowing down to and we're all saying oh we got to replicate that system we got to replicate that sort of expertise that's why it's working they did it their own way in that respect where they weren't trying to follow the models of like these other high-powered offenses in the NFL, they got there in their own way because of their philosophy well, and because of how Dan Campbell allowed that to happen. As I recall, the first time that uh, the Lions had their coaching staff, everyone was a former player, and that was rare. We haven't mm-hmm. seen that in the National Football League before. We're like All former players were coordinators or assistants on that team, and we thought that that was odd. That's just a different way of going about business. But look at, as you mentioned, the coaching staff around the Lions, and look at how that uh, those coaches match the personnel what the Lions are able to execute. Again, it is good to be able to oversee the operation, not just be an offensive guy, not just be a defensive guy, but someone that could be able to just oversee the operation and be able to you know, put their hands in everything. 
to make sure that everything is at the same level, mm-hmm. the same uh, feeling. And so I, I, I think about what Black was saying last night on Black and Abdallah talking about a rooting for the Packers. And it's kind of where the direction that we're going to go this morning, Courtney, at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. So Black said that he rooted for the Packers last week. Is it okay to root for a division rival? Uh, will you root for the Lions on Sunday? Now, I, I am doing that because I want the Bears to see what this looks like. Whether it's a win or a loss for Detroit, I'm sure that the Bears are looking at this and saying, Oh, man, we know we got to take care of our business anyway, no matter if there was two teams from the NFC North in the playoffs. But I just think it adds pressure a little bit more to say, hey, I want us to be there at some point. We got to get there. Now, I know that Kevin Warren will tell the press and everyone else that the Bears are in the right track, and he'll give you examples of Minnesota and St. Louis until the cows come home. Uh, I don't think I see Dick Vermeil on the sidelines, though, for the Bears. I don't think that we see him there. I don't think that we see some of the great players from the Rams, uh, the, world, you know, the world's greatest show on turf on that Bears team. They don't have that same personnel. They don't even have Minnesota's personnel that, uh, that Warren kept referring to. The Bears have a lot of work to do, as you well know, Courtney. And I, and I will just say, since the Bears are not there, I'm with the Lions. I'm going to root for them. And I say, again, I'm not a Lions fan. I'm a Bears fan. But I want the Bears to be able to take a good, hard look at the teams that we've seen in the playoffs, Detroit and Green Bay, and say, okay, how can we get there? And what you just pointed out is, is true. If you are turning your team over and your coaching staff over every two or three years, you get what you deserve because it's inconsistency. Mm-hmm. That means that you're not going to be on the precipice of the playoffs every year when you make changes. I get that. Even though I'm a guy that thought with all these coaches that are available, the Bears did not upgrade at head coach. Okay. So you're going to stand 10 toes down with Matt Eberflus as the head coach because the defense got some better. All right. I just need to know that moving forward, Eberflus is going to be the guy and that whatever the plan is, is that they can be able to go from seven wins to the playoffs next year. This is what the decision that they've made. They're not going to change head coaches. Okay, great. But you better win because that's what matters in this city. You hope that it's the Dan Campbell model then because they stood by him after two years where it didn't look like things were necessarily going in the right direction. And of course, Last season, 2022 season, I mean, what they start out 0-6, 1-6, yep. um, they, they didn't pull the plug then. So you hope, okay, that model could be something else that the Bears could follow to where, you know, 10 wins. We asked Ryan Poles that directly. Like, why is that enough to keep Matt Eberflus? And he believed in where this team's going, not just the leadership, but like the on-field product that they showed. Major improvement from the halfway point of the season once it all started to click. And so if you're giving if, – if they gave Dan Campbell that same the, the same length of that leash, that, that's what the Bears are trying to apply, the Detroit model, if we want to call it that, to Matt Eberflus. And if they can – if that can work out, then it should – they shouldn't not be able to follow this trajectory. And I'll say, like, one more thing on this. Like, you should want mm-hmm. – you should want the NFC North represented in the Super Bowl. I think it, I think it's a huge. It would be an awesome opportunity because do you really want to see the same thing over and over again? You want to see San Francisco get there and lose to Mahomes? I don't. I think that could happen. Or Baltimore is a great story as well yeah. with, with Lamar Jackson. I love the Ravens story. You know why? You never see them on the bottom line and get up. There's no controversy there. Just a, a well-oiled machine. Nothing. Nothing's on the bottom line about them. Because they just go about business. Lions the same way, by the way, and I like that. Where they, they, you can't conjure up a topic of controversy over the Baltimore. Oh, that's right, because Lamar's great. 
<laughs> you can't do that. Oh, Detroit's a great story. No controversy there. They're just well-oiled machines. All right, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. Courtney and I want to find out from you about what Bleck said yesterday on Bleck and Abdallah. Says that he rooted for the Packers last week. Is it okay to root for a division rival? I'm rooting for the Lions. What about you? Let's talk about it on the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show. No shot with Captain G Good on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Good morning and welcome in to the Cap and J Hood Morning Show. Courtney Cronin's in for Cap. Glad to have you with us on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Now time for Shot or No Shot and it's brought to you by... That would be Club Hawthorne betting bars featuring horse racing, video slots, and sports betting throughout Chicago land. We say good morning to Shay W. Norley. Good morning, Courtney Hoodie on NFL Championship Friday. How we doing? Doing great. Are you kidding me? We got to the final four. And I know that for many of us, it's great. It's going to be glorious on Sunday. Also a little sad. Three NFL games left. I am sad about that. <laughs> the three NFL games. That's all we've got left. You're not ready for Pro Bowl weekend? Huh? Oh, stop. It's not even real anymore. Jalen Brunson should be part of that as well. How about that? Jalen Brunson. <laughs> I actually would rather they get stars from other sports. Get me Mike Trout doing the precision passing right. drill. The idea that Jalen Brunson is not one of the starters in the NBA All-Star game, the fans should have their vote taken away from him. And because of that, Jalen Brunson should be in the Pro Bowl. How about that? That's what I think. That's my, that's my take. Give me a couple of points there, Tony Rinaldi, on that. How about that? Seriously, man. I'm not happy about that. But you know what? We do have three more games left. I can't wait, Shay. Let's go shot or no shot. What do you have? What do you, we've had this debate before. You know how I feel. Conference championship weekend, divisional round weekend, the two best weekends in the NFL. Shot or no shot. Sunday, conference championship Sunday is better than the Super Bowl. You know, in a lot of years, that's a shot. There, how many blowouts in the Super Bowl have we seen or not not great to watch or lopsided or kind of boring? Yes, there's pomp and circumstance around it, Courtney, with all of the, you know, the commercials and got family over, friends over. But, you know, to get into the Super Bowl, we've had some exciting games in conference championship weekend. It's a shot. It's not a shot for me, Shay, because I, and I'll take this even a step Is further. Is it a no shot? It's a no shot. Um hmm. Divisional playoff weekend for me is better than the Super Bowl because you have eight teams that can taste it, eight teams that have a realistic shot to be playing three weeks from then. And I was really pleased with the games that we got last week. And even with the Ravens and the Texans, I know that people are going, oh, it's a lopsided game. It was boring. The other three, obviously, in terms of the score and how those games went, had more of that intrigue and kept you watching until the very end. But we got to see an absolute domination, obliteration from the from the Ravens. To me, that's like the foreshadowing towards the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I like that. The eight that eventually become the two, like having that all on that weekend to me is, I think that's the best weekend of the NFL playoffs more than the Super Bowl. You did tell us. But is conference championship weekend better than the Super Bowl? No. No? No, I don't think so. I like them both better. I t- I'm with you. Divisional round weekend is my, my favorite. That's my favorite. I'm standing by it. That's I like, the best weekend of the year. I like the final four. 
I, I've been more pleased with the Final Four, the Conference Championship weekend, than the Super Bowl. For me. I like that Final Four. Going back to what you told us last Friday, I think you were in the minority of saying, when we asked you which game you're looking forward to, Houston and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I think that what I was saying, the cap is, well, I think Courtney wants to see what C.J. Stroud looks like uh, in a big spot. Mm-hmm. And then to see if there's going to be rest or rust with Lamar Jackson. Yep. And you saw a little of both, right? You know, Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens not so good in the first half. And then they just they looked more like the Ravens in the second half. He said post-game, because we played the sound um, when I was hosting on Sunday morning. He's like, well, I can't tell you what I said at halftime. Someone's like, mm. what did you deliver? What was the message? And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that. And I know and it's like not at all taking anything away from Lamar, but can we talk about how good that defense is? Like, you could hear the impact of those oh, hits. Yeah. Holy cow. Oh, Historic. Yeah. Like, oh, that yeah. was out of control. And that shows you the balance that that team has offensively, whether it's Lamar rushing for two touchdowns, whether it's him throwing for two touchdowns, and, and watching what they did on defense. That unit doesn't have, like we were talking about the Lions, that unit doesn't have like the star elite pass rusher, you know, the one guy, the TJ Watt, the Miles Garrett. It has a collection of dudes from mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton to Roquan Smith. And hey, if you're a Bears fan, you're going to root for the Ravens because Roquan Smith, you want to see him succeed? I'm a Roquan like, guy. Yeah. I'm a Georgia guy, but also a Roquan guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, we should also point out, Shay, and I said this, I believe, a few days ago, and it's one thing to watch a regular season game, but there's something about the electricity and the hits yep. and the urgency in the playoffs. I mean, it's not like we've never seen football in person before, but it's something about those playoffs, man, where it's just the ruthless aggression that these players go through, especially when the playoffs are on the line, won and done. It is amazing. It is a different level of football from the regular season of the playoffs. There's no question about it. I mean, like the Brian Branch example on that interception, look at the way he contorted his body. Yes. To be able yep. to pick off Baker Mayfield to seal that game. Not saying that that wouldn't happen at any other point, but the the moment of the game, what it meant, what it yielded for the Detroit Lions, like that's the moment that you live for. And also, like what you said, how they, we only have like, you know, three football games left. Yeah. Like that's why I'll go with divisional playoff weekend being better than the Super Bowl and better more. than conference championship weekend because then I don't have to, I get more games and I don't have to be. I don't have to be thinking about the end. You also don't get an atmosphere and fan base like you did in Detroit in the Super Bowl. You kind of get that fan base, that atmosphere a little bit more in those playoff games. Because the Super Bowl's a corporate event. It's not mm-hmm. for the fans. That's why I get so mad when Cap goes, I want the conference championship games to be neutral site. F that. Yeah, because you get this more. This is for the fans. Because you get more of that sterile atmosphere. Why would you want more of that? He, he also wants that in the, in the World Series, too. Like, okay, so you want silence in the World Series, too. Like a neutral site. Just like Florida or Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. He wants them in domes. It's like SoFi yeah. or AT&T. Phoenix. No, thank you. I don't like either stadium you know? for that environment. All right, Jay. All right, the Falcons made their head coaching hire yesterday. They selected Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris to lead the future of their franchise. How does this relate to the Bears? Well, there are rumors that Raheem Morris is a secret admirer of Justin Fields, and the best chance for the Falcons at quarterback is likely to trade for a younger veteran. This has been rumored for quite a while Secret now. Secret admirer. Yeah, that's the that's the rumor that's out there. He's got a little crush on Justin Fields. Ooh. Shot or no shot, Justin Fields becoming an Atlanta Falcon is a fait accompli. I'll say that's a shot. I don't know if it has anything to do with like the secret man crush or what did you call it? Secret admirer? Yeah. Um, 
Raheem Morris will get his guy. They need a quarterback. There's not one currently on the roster that makes sense for next year. Do I, I still also don't think that they have to give up the eighth pick to get Justin Fields. I was surprised when I saw that report initially that that might be in play for Chicago. I mean, certainly you don't say no if you're the Bears, whether you love Justin Fields or not. That is an extra pick that you would potentially have three picks in the top ten. In a, excuse me, in the, not, in the top nine. Like, there's no way you'd say no to that. But I've... I felt that more than more than just even when Arthur Smith was the head coach, Justin Fields to Atlanta, if there was a team to trade for his services, would make sense. Uh, I, I would say that that's a, a shot. We can hear continue to read the rumor that the you know what if Justin Fields went to Atlanta because Atlanta needs a quarterback. I mean, think about that depth chart. You got Justin Fields, you got Desmond Ritter, so you got two African-American quarterbacks. Okay, you don't have to go there, Berm. Again! Why does he do that, Shay? It's unbelievable. I mean, there's no rent. I, I was trying read to get... the room, man. I was just trying to... <laughs> read the room. That's... That's a good point. Yes, you should read the room. There's no reason for that. Again. I mean, but it was, well, didn't he say it because it was Black History Month? Well, no. Hey, Lincoln's birthday. No. <laughs> Two African-American quarterbacks starting against each other in the Super Bowl for the first time. Fittingly, February 12th is Abe Lincoln's birthday. Here we go with the highlights. I posted that show with you the day after the Super Bowl. I, don't think, I think we played that drop 15 times that day. Woody, I sent you yesterday. I didn't know until yesterday when I was doing a little browsing the internet sure bill clinton is an honorary black hall of fame member in arkansas that's right you think abe lincoln's an honorary illinois black hall of fame (laughs) (laughs) don't put it past the state (laughs) very well could be i'm just telling you uh that's a shot i think that um that justin fields if he's going to be traded i think that atlanta would be an interesting suitor there's a number of teams that need a quarterback imagine uh, Justin Fields with that team. I'm not trying to push him out the door. I'm just saying I've been seeing that for a long time. That that combination mm-hmm. of Justin to Atlanta. He, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. That'll work. Sure. Uh, all right, Jay. What else do we have? All right, a lot of headlines this weekend. Had an interesting nickname for the upstart Detroit Lions as they prepped for the NFC title game from yeah. the Detroit Free Press. Quote. Watch it, Cowboys. Gritty underdog Detroit Lions are America's team. Well, it might not be far off because a fan map released this week based on social media data showed 38 of 50 states are rooting for the Lions to win the Super Bowl. Shot or no shot, the Lions have become America's team. It's a shot. It's a shot, at least for this year. You know, it's funny how labels work. Dallas Cowboys, America's team. The reason why they're so polarizing is because of what I just said. America's team. So you are just so... America's team, to me, is the blue-collar team that comes out of nowhere and finds success. What are the Dallas Cowboys? They start with a yacht. They start with Jerry Jones. That's team. I mean, to maybe some people, that's America's team. But I think that at this point this year, I think that's Detroit, followed by Baltimore. And I think Baltimore's a close second in that regard. That's a shot for me. And I'll use the word, they are a lovable franchise because of the struggle that they went through. What struggle have, I mean, let me phrase that correctly. What struggles have the Dallas Cowboys gone through? Well, the last three years in the playoffs have certainly felt like a struggle. But Mm -hmm. the idea of 
the persistence paying off to where you went through all of those tough years where you went through an 0-16 team. And I think it's cool that Dan Campbell was part of that 8 group and you get to see it through. Like having the main players on this gr- on this team, whether it's Aiden Hutchinson having grown up in the city or not in Detroit, but like in the surrounding area, whether it's Dan Campbell, people who actually loathe the struggle, live the struggle. That's what makes them, like when you can actually achieve your goals and achieve your dream of getting to the highest stage or at least, you know, one step before there. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's what makes it just an admirable team to get behind. But can I say one thing? Because I know that the Lions love, and I saw the NFL put this thing out on January 23rd, this tweet, like for the city of Detroit, like blue collar this, blue collar that. Detroit's not the only city in America that has that mentality of blue collar middle class people. Like, I just feel like that you can't monopolize that. Los Angeles has that. There's parts of Chicago that have that. Like, yes. it just, it does drive me nuts. We're like, no, we're the only working class city in America. No, you're not. Uh, Baltimore has that. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know why I know? I watch The you Wire. You watch The Wire? Yes, that's how I know this. <laughs> exactly. I mean, every day, I just, uh, it's the one thing that kind of drives me nuts, Shay, as a resident Michigan, Michigan, Mich- Michigander, Michigander. Michigander. Yep. Like, do, do you not see that too? Like, where it's kind of like, all right, like you know, there's more than just the Motor City and GM and all these other things and smokestacks. Like, hell, we have that like in Gary. Yeah, ten thousand lakes in that city or in that state. No, that's Minnesota. Michigan too. Oh. Okay, so Minnesota can't can't monopolize that. All right, it's fine. I'm learning about things this morning. <laughs> uh, you know, it, all of this is about slogans and marketing. A, a lot of it. Uh, the, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys to be called America's team is a joke. At this point in all time, all these years later, absolutely. I mean, at it's the not time, the 90s anymore. It, like under Switzer and and Jimmy Johnson, sure, I I totally get that. But I think now that's just marketing, and now you could just poke holes in that because look at them. Just look at them. It reminds me of my alma mater, Indiana University, yes. and the five banners. Like we have a school hasn't won a championship. I wasn't alive the last time they won a championship. So mm-hmm. like that to me is an era that is completely past. That I don't want to see that marketed as blue blood program, five national titles. Like yeah, do something in this era in the 2010s and the 2020s like do something then to make that relevant and that's how i feel about the dallas cowboys where you're holding on to a moniker that feels like it's passed you up three decades ago all right shay all right yesterday patriots wide receiver kayshawn booty was arrested in louisiana for Shake your sports, yeah, for sports gambling violations. Uh, Louisiana State Police said in a release on Thursday that Booty faces one felony count of computer fraud and one misdemeanor count of gaming prohibitive for persons under 21. Basically, he used an alias because he was underage to get into gambling websites. And in the span of 11 months between April 2022 and May 2023, placed 9,000 bets. Wow. That's 27 bets a day, and I ran the numbers for fun. If you bet every single regular season NFL, FBS, college football, NHL, and NBA game all year, you'd still come up 2,000 bets short of 9,000. Shot or no shot, if I gave you the money to do it, you couldn't place 9,000 bets in a year. That's a shot. I could not. First of all, I wouldn't be betting the NHL until the playoffs. I would not. Regular season NHL, there's no way, Shay, he has that kind of intel. 
there's no way he has that that kind of time for research. All of that. It's not like he's going to Fat Jack, is it? I think he's just going willy nilly. He's just hitting, you know, you know, favorite, favorite, favorite. That's what he's doing. It's kind of like taking the SATs. He's just putting all A's on there, just seeing what if he's going to get an answer right or not. Seriously, that's a shot. First off, I wonder, like, did he? Where, when did he have the time to do this? Because if he's betting before a Sunday game, you know, their Saturday games at LSU, like he's sitting in team meetings, just like scrolling on his phone, making all of these bets. What? I just want to know, and I'm not trying. I'm not endorsing this, but I'd love to know what what were his picks because he hit on a lot of them. <laughs> like he he won. Here's the total: five hundred fifty five five hundred five hundred fifty six thousand two hundred sixty seven dollars. He won. He won that much, and that's basically because he used the money he got from the bets he won, and he kept using that money to huh. bid on other things. Like the guy's clearly very good at this. So if he gets arrested for this and he's no longer able to play in the nfl at some point if they determine that i don't know if like he gets you know suspended for a year like isn't FanDuel lining up like isn't you know one of the DraftKings, any of the other sports books to have him on like as an analyst because clearly he's very good at what he did if he won that much money i have a feeling they're gonna ban him i don't think they're gonna let him continue to gamble well then he definitely should have a, a seat on espn bet yeah <laughs> right next to Fortinbow. Carlin versus Joe versus this guy. Versus Kayshawn Booty. Versus washed out NFL receiver Kayshawn Booty. Kayshawn, you once bet 9,000 plays in the span of 11 months. How did you do it? I love the idea of Carlin versus Joe versus Booty. I think that that should be the show. If he's that good, because what's the percentage of that, Courtney? Like, if he's winning that much, what is that, Shay? 60%? It says he 65? De- it says he deposited, this is according to this arrest warrant. He deposited a, bo- deposited a total of $132,147.53 into the won account. 400 grand? Yes, oh more or less. And he only God. withdrew 50 grand of it. So like was he, he clearly he was not acting alone. There's got to be somebody else who had like who was in on this and he was just the one who goes down for it because his name was on the account. Are any of these guys going to learn to like get an alias or not put like your username or your Gmail or your whole government name on this? Okay, JFK. He didn't act alone. Okay. <laughs> all, right, all right. Yeah, there's that's, definitely a two-shooter theory on this one in my opinion. <laughs> I've been reading the JFK report. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, just conspiracy Cronin comes out again. You know, that's a FBI character. On line 10. You know, that's a character. Cronin does have this, this conspiracy theory in her, and so she, how he, would he have had the time to place nine thousand something bets alone? You guys sleep. You got, got him, practice. No, you got him like a Bumpy Johnson type guy that he has like this whole you know conglomerate, like all these people that are around him to help him make these bets. You think he's got like a, a sketchy like you know chalkboard that he's putting the bets up there? I wouldn't be surprised if he had like monitors to be able to like track. He's got his own sports book in his house. Probably. It's not as impressive. He didn't bet on horse racing. Where was those, those TVG bets, Shay? Where there were weren't enough gray horses. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Couldn't, he couldn't find enough gray horses to bet on. <laughs> Let's go around the NFL. Nick Foles sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and then he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? Time to go around the National Football League here on the Cap'n J-Hood Morning Show. Khalid. 
Now, talk about Khalib uh, Williams and so many others. That would be me. As we turn now to Shay Norling with Around the NFL. Shay? All right, it is championship weekend in the National Football League. Two big games with big quarterback matchups. Brock Purdy and Jared Goff. Maybe not expected uh, early in well, the Niners were expected to be here, but I don't think a lot of people were picking the Lions to make it this far. And on the other side, kind of chalk, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, Chiefs and Ravens. I want full game breakdowns. Picks with scores. We'll start in the NFC because, actually, let's start in the AFC. We'll go chronological. The 2 o'clock game comes up first. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Chiefs, Ravens, Hoodie. What's your read on this game? Well, I believe that Kansas City uh, has been able to hang in there. I mentioned last week that I was almost like, man, putting my uh, palm to my forehead. Of course, I should have rode with Patrick Mahomes because they found a way to win on the road against Baltimore. But, I mean, that's one feat. To, but to go to Baltimore to win, I don't think that's going to happen. I love the Ravens minus four to win this game. And the reason why is because Lamar Jackson is a weapon is going to uh, be able to run all over this Kansas City defense. And I think that he can exploit the secondary of, uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs as well. As good as Baltimore was in the second half of that game against the Texans, I think that they will carry that momentum into the Kansas City game. I think that it's one thing to beat um, an underachieving Bills team, Courtney, but I think to be able to do it twice, Kansas City, look, I shouldn't have bet against Mahomes the first time, but I'm going to do it this time. I really like Baltimore to win this game outright because Lamar as a weapon against that Kansas City defense, the way he gets the ball out, the way he can run, the way he can get it down the field, I think that Baltimore can win it. Look how much trouble the Chiefs defense had against Josh Allen when he got out of the pocket last week. Mm -hmm. Like, that is Lamar Jackson. That is, you know, two rushing touchdowns. He threw a touchdown as well against Houston last week. Now, this is certainly a different caliber defense, the way that Spags brings pressure, whether it was on Tua, whether it was on uh, the Bills last week. I think that that will still be there. But this is too too complete of a team. And let's not forget, who's coming back this week for the Baltimore Ravens? Mark Andrews is coming back. Mm-hmm. That's his security blanket. He hasn't had him since the knee injury on that Thursday night game against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. So I I think that they're going to be too – it's going to be too much – for Kansas City to handle defensively. But on the other side of that, are you really expecting MVS to go and make two insane catches again after the clunker of a season that he put together? Patrick Mahomes can, can, I mean, clearly you can have a down year. If you have number 15 on your team, you can get to the AFC Championship. I think their luck runs out. They're on the road for a second straight game. They're going against a far better defense than the one that they saw last week with Baltimore and not the Bills. Um I like the Ravens by three in this game. Yeah. And so, Shay, when we look at this, we go back to 2021 when the Ravens and Chiefs faced one another. This was a game in which Jackson ran for over 100 yards to a couple of touchdowns, and the Baltimore Ravens defeated Kansas City in that game. I think the same formula could be right there again for the Ravens to defeat the Chiefs and be able to get it done. I was wrong last week. I think I'll be right on Sunday that the Ravens will find a way at home to beat Kansas City. Yeah, I was wrong taking Buffalo against Kansas City as well. Look, I don't want to take anything away from Patrick Mahomes getting to the conference championship game with this group. It's incredible. Yes. But, there's always a but, they played Miami, who had 
none of their linebackers. They were starting reserve guys at pass rush because they had no one. All of their outside linebackers were hurt. And then you get Buffalo, who throughout the season became a mass unit at linebacker. And in that game, A.J. Klein leaves temporarily, comes back. He's a little hurt. It, like Their entire linebacking core. The Chiefs, incredible to get here. But Baltimore is not what Buffalo or Miami were. Baltimore's healthy, and their defense is not just great. It's potentially historic. It's the only defense in the history of the NFL to lead the league in sacks, takeaways, and points per game. They're unreal. And on the offensive side, they're getting better than half a point per play the last three weeks. They're just... To me, they are a team that if they pull this off, they will go down in the top 10 in NFL history. They have been unbelievable this season. And so I'm going to go Baltimore. And honestly, I think it might not be close. I think Baltimore could win this by multiple touchdowns. All right, let's go to the next game. The NFC, the primetime 530 kick. Big quarterback matchup. I mean, this is top billing. Brock Purdy and Jared Goff. This is what you hope to see when the season starts, Hoodie. Well, okay, so let's talk about the breakdown of this, Courtney. So San Francisco's defense has been stellar all season. Eighth in total defense, third in points allowed. Um, But they've had their problems against the run. Now, when I think of the Detroit Lions, I don't think about Gibbs and Montgomery first. Obviously, you think about golf and the system and the offense and how it works. But I think that the Lions still have to beat themselves. It's just an unorthodox the way they throw the football, uh, especially when they're up in games. Instead of running the football, taking time off the clock, they do it the way they do it. But I'd like for the Lions to be able to run the football because I think that that's a weakness that they can exploit. I think Detroit can run the football against this 49ers defense. So I look at it from that standpoint. Let's, let's break that. Before we even get to the score and what you think, let's just talk about the intangibles of the game. What yeah. about that aspect? I mean, the Packers did it on them last week. Yeah. They did it, you know, this was a 49ers team that looked a little rusty. And certainly from like a play calling perspective, I don't know why Kyle Shanahan didn't get Christian McCaffrey more involved early on to build a lead. Like they're not a team. San Francisco is not a team that plays from behind all that often like they don't it's a completely different identity when they're playing catch-up instead of jumping out in front and what are the lions good at doing last two games jumping out in front and yeah jared goff didn't like the version that you got against the rams was a different jared goff he came on in the fourth quarter which Mm -hmm. is what mattered against tampa bay but that's a that's an area i think that they can exploit the area that I think the 49ers are going to ex- try to exploit are the, you know, the offensive line has held up so well for Detroit this year. Mm-hmm. Jonah Jackson, uh, Frank Ragnow, they didn't practice yesterday. So that does worry me. And I know that they gutted it through. I mean, Frank Ragnow was an absolute warrior last week to, to play through the toe and the, and the knee and the ankle injury. Like he just got rolled up on in a really bad spot. Are they going to be healthy enough to protect against the Chase Young, Nick Bosa combination? That's what would worry me if I'm thinking about like how the Lions can exploit or I guess go against like their strength. Okay, but so- the run game, I and mean, you lean on your run game because you're right. Like that is an area where San Francisco has shown that they're vulnerable. So let's look at taking the the other side with Debo Samuel. If nothing else, he's going to be less than 100. Mm-hmm. I think he will play. I think he will play. But but here's the thing. If he was eh, – who's 100% this time in the National Football League? I guess what I'm saying is is that if he was a real threat offensively and healthy enough to be a threat, 
they could really wear out, I think, the Lions secondary because there is a weakness there, the Lions secondary, that they can go. Because this is why I think that if you're looking for points, you could do that. Brock Purdy, nickel and dimes his way down the field. But Debo Samuel as a big threat would be harmful to the Lions in a big way. Mm-hmm. But if Debo Samuel can't get it done, who's going who's gonna to be the big play uh, threat for Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers offense? McCaffrey. McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you can kind of pick your poison. It's just that it felt like they didn't know how to do that. Like they, When they had to go off script last week when Debo Samuel went out, that's why you saw the the everybody has been waiting on Brock Purdy to fall back down to earth, and that's why you got yep. that version of him until the I would say the most important drive of his career when he puts them you know in position to score at the end of the game, um, and that ends up being the go ahead touchdown. Like, but that's that is the like, you you sh- when you have this much talent, you shouldn't have that issue of well, what if no Debo Samuel, who's the go to guy? You have four guys who could be the go to guy. True. True. I just think that San Francisco survived as much as they won that last game. You got to take nothing away from them. They won, but no, they, they survived. Vulnerable. They showed they were vulnerable. This is why I like the Lions to be able to get this done. I like the Lions to win this game. Uh, the number, what's the latest number, Shay? Seven and a half, seven, depending mm-hmm. on where you shop. Yeah, I like the Lions plus uh, seven and a half. Also like the over 40, uh, 51 and a half for this one. I think it's going to be high scoring. And Hoodie, I agree. I think the Lions straight up win. I, no, the, no fandom aside, I'm just saying, like, if Samuel's not 100%, and yes, you mentioned Ayuk and, and McCaffrey. I mean, the big plays, you know, though, I, I think that that's... I think that is the Lions' favor. I do. If the Lions want to win, they're going to have to score, because the back end of their defense is not good. Like, they're going to give up big plays. That's been the problem all year. But... Sneaky stats on the Niners. They don't give up a lot of rush yards because, like Courtney said, they're always out in front. That means opposing teams have to throw. They put you in a negative script. But they are sneaky, very bad against the run. 26th in the EPA defensively against the run. And when rushing outside the tackles, 28th in rush yards per game, 29th in uh, in YBC. I don't even know what that is per rush. And tied yards for 24th. Before contact. Yards before contact. Thank you. And 10-plus yard rushes tied for 24th. You know who's on the other side is Jameer Gibbs. He's top five in all three of those when rushing outside the tackles. I think the Lions have a huge advantage in the run game. Their offensive line, Ragnall might be banged up. He's going to play. I have a feeling Jonah Jackson's going to play. When they're healthy and they all play, the Lions have one loss on the season. It's the game in Dallas that if anyone watched, people would argue the Lions won that game. Yeah. That's been the difference all year. I said preseason. I thought they had the best offensive line in football. That has held up. I think line play wins in the playoffs. I think the Lions go and straight up win. What do you think? I have the Lions winning this game as well. What about the total? Um, Would you say the over under is 51? 51 and a half. I'll set it. I'll take the over on that. I like the Lions plus seven, plus seven and a half, whatever it is. I mean, I think, I think this will be another close game. I think both of them are going to be within a field goal of each other. Shay, any reports on where the public money went, just for the clarification for the audience on either game? Any any sway one way or the other this week? I can grab it very quickly. Uh, the Ravens-Chiefs game is a dead split. Ravens and Chiefs both getting 50% of the bets, but Ravens getting 66% of the money. Remember I told you, when you see a differential like that, mm-hmm. gives you a pretty good idea where to go. That was Ravens-Texans. I bet the Ravens. That was also Texans-Browns. I bet the Texans. In the Lions-Niners game, again, dead even. 
half the money on the Lions, or half the bets on the Lions, half the bets on the Niners. Niners getting a vast majority of the money at minus seven and a half. Did you ask Kayshawn Boutte who he's taking in this game? We should. Can we get him on? Let me get in touch with... Is he in jail? Let me get in touch with Louisiana State Police and see if we can get a quick hit with Kayshawn Booty. He's in Bristol, Connecticut doing an interview process. He's going to be on this network. (laughs) That's what's happening right now. Harlan versus Joe versus Boutte. Versus Boutte. (laughs) Who wouldn't want to listen to that and get that analysis? Courtney Cronin will join us now. Oh, she's already here. Okay. It's 8.30 on Friday, so she's already here. So we'll instead... We will talk about Bill Belichick. (laughs) The NFL doesn't want Bill Belichick anymore. Is that surprising? I mean, is it? We talk about that coming up next. John Schriffen, the new voice for the Chicago White Sox, will join us at 9 o'clock. All part of the mix on the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show.